everyone, my name is Jordi Mueller and welcome to the Empower Women series of October. And today we're actually joined by two of our guests today. We have Pamela Wilsley, which is, uh, uh, welcome, how are you doing? I'm great. Wilsey. Wilsey. I always say Wilsley. I remember when we did the video a few months ago, I said the same thing actually. That's okay. So I apologize for that. And we also have Vanessa Kalanya. Very good. Yes. I cannot, that's my Spanish background. It helps me a it little bit. It is your Spanish the, background. It helps me with the G I like to tell the, people lasagna. Think of lasagna. I just think of Kalanya now. Every time I eat a lasagna, I'll remember <laughs> Vanessa now. So thank you both for being here. And I know you do a lot of work with teenage uh, girls or teenage women, I would call that. And um, we had a lot of responses from the last time you were here with us, Pamela. And they were all positive. It was one of those topics that we usually don't get to talk often because they just were completely kind of hidden in our society. And there was nobody with the expertise or niche expertise to come and talk to us about it. And uh, we were very grateful. And that's why we actually had the, the Empower Women series today with you again, a full one, just so yeah. everybody knows. Um, I also want to say that focusing on that transition on college today was really important. Everybody kind of went to college around six weeks ago. And I'm seeing now on everybody's Facebook posts, uh, everybody's social media from their parents' side, posting how their kids are doing and how they're happy to be joining all these groups. And I'm seeing all these signs that you kind of talked a little bit about today of like pretending life is great, uh, pretending everybody's doing excellent. And I know that's just kind of like not how it works. So we're going to be talking and digging into that topic in a little bit. So, so awesome. Um, I do want to start with a basic question with the two of you, which is, why are you doing this? <laughs> <laughs> why are we doing this? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, but what's your purpose? I'm doing this because of Pam. Pam, oh, why are great. you doing this? <laughs> so that's a really good question. This has been a very long path, uh, Jordy, to getting to this place. But I guess the short answer is that I began years ago in the field of psycho-oncology, I think I mentioned, and um, one of the groups that I founded many years ago was for teens who had parents with cancer, and I saw the power of groups at that point at a time in their lives that they were experiencing some major life transitions that were kind of normal developmentally, uh, and it was layered with the experience of, of a, a life crisis. And that group actually are still connected to this day. They're in their 30s. Hmm. We, they're all over the world. Are they kind of like cool. mentoring and help so, you? Well, no, because they're like in their lives and some yeah. parents and they're literally all over the world. Yeah. And they're just this incredible group of young women. And that was what inspired me initially to go off and start a business called Wilsey Connections, mm -hmm. where, where our focus is on helping now fourth grade through 20-somethings to develop the social emotional skills that will enable them to face any challenges they face in life. Yeah, and um, I think that's really important to, to highlight here. A lot of the conversation that happens in our society currently, at least at our age group, which I'm talking between like 30s and 50s, that's exactly what, like the people I connect the most currently, is about equality and gender and like um, bringing women into places where they were not accepted before. But we forget that they were teenage and children before that, and they are currently also experiencing those issues in mm -hmm. younger ages. So why not start early trying to mitigate these things? And I think you're attacking that point. Um, how about you? Tell me. Um, well, I uh, met Pam at a really pivotal point in my journey, which is I had just become a parent and had just stopped working outside of the home for a period of time. But 
our connection was cemented and really um, closely bonded over the fact that our paths align so greatly professionally. So I have a master's in counseling and psychology, but I was also um, a women's studies major as an undergraduate in college, which is very niche. There were six of us the year that I graduated, but um, I had long since worked in the counseling field and had very much focused on girls and women, and particularly um, in college-age women. So Pam and I met, and we had so much shared um, professional experience that it was very natural for us to align and decide to do something together. And Pam had already begun this great group work that she was doing, and it was just a matter of giving me a little nudge and reminding me I could do something outside of my home. And I'm very grateful for it because it's been a wonderful journey. Awesome. Yeah. And um, I want to jump in right, like, let's just jump in. College transition. Um, This is not easy for anyone, men or women. But I can definitely testify on my own personal experience that for my sister, what's a lot harder than for me. And that's probably a personality thing as well. But the challenges she had to face compared to mine were just... I don't know, exponentially more difficult. And um, the way we did it also was migrating countries. So we both came to college from, uh, to the US from Mexico. So there was not like that go back home weekend situation or like a little Mm. trip or it was always a phone call, always a phone call. So um, years later I realized that I always pushed my sister, wow, you should just be doing this. And I didn't realize that as a woman, she was facing so much more Um, challenges that I was as a guy here in the US and uh, and I'm reading a little bit of your notes and I can see a little bit of the gender inequality on all these challenges happening and let's let's talk about the first stage that you point out in this transition which is letting it go Um, I think it's for both I'm assuming the parents and the kids that suffer this uh, stage Uh, do you want to expand a little bit on what this first stage means uh, in your I guess, uh, explanation today. Yeah, well, we do. We talk a lot about transitions and that, that we, we frame it in terms of trying to understand that, yes, it's a parallel process for our teens as well as for us as parents, and it begins with letting go. So all transitions require, even transitions that we're looking forward to, whether it's a, a move or a transition to a new school, or in, in this case, a transition to college that hopefully they're looking forward to and we're feeling good about for mm-hmm. our team. But initially, there's loss involved. And, and when there's loss, there's usually some feelings of grief. So again, even if we're holding the paradox of of holding on while letting go, we do have to recognize that there's some feelings and often they actually begin senior year of high school Mm -hmm. when they're the lasts, whether it's the last uh, sports event, the last play that you're in, the last, you know, walking across the stage of graduation, the saying goodbye to friends, they're leaving everything that they've ever known. And it's, the, for most of them, the biggest transition they've ever had in their lifetime. And often they're not adequately, adequately prepared for that transition. Yeah, yeah no, I can see that happening. Uh, it, it, I, I mean, it happens to everybody, I guess, that goes to college. And you forget how hard it was. Yes. Uh, and a lot of the times, it kind of like forms you as an adult, how you 
uh, go th or navigate through those first couple of years in college. And that's how you start making decisions for the rest of life or the next 30, 40 years. And you don't think about it. Well, that's why I think it's also important as parents that we recognize what yeah. we're bringing into this process exactly. of transition, because, of course, we're bringing our own stories, mm -hmm. our own experiences, our own feelings, thoughts, all of it, you name it. And it's very important during this process where we want to stay connected with our kids who are about to leave, yeah. we often can push them away with our own anxieties and fears. So Pam and I find that it's very critical that, you know, parents look inwards and check out their own stuff and what baggage they're bringing to this process, because this is a critical stage in this stage of transition, this letting go. <laughs> it's so many, so many podcasts uh, we have uh, recorded by now and uh, the, the concept of being aware of how you act and the, the being aware of how you spend your time pretty much all the time always comes up and i think this is one of those like if you're looking into your senior year or your kid's senior year to start to correct in some patterns it's like oh we should have dinner on sunday at noon or we should have a family time once a week it's probably too late like like or if or if you are not doing it at all why would you expect them to do it when they leave home right well, there, it is difficult because for parents, it's sort of like this this parallel process of holding on while letting go. And yeah. very, and, and it, you're right, Jody, that we're also all, always acutely aware of how time speeds up as our kids are getting older. Yeah. So our kids are kind of feeling like they're they're wanting to be with their friends more. They're wanting to separate from us, and we're kind of feeling more like we want to be connected to them as mm -hmm. the time that they leave gets closer. You know, we we came up with this metaphor of um, teaching our our kids to swim in turbulent waters. Yeah. So that we don't have to be their life preservers yeah. for this reason, because we we think back to the time they were little and, and we pretty much most all parents, particularly in this country, yeah. taught our kids to swim because we wanted to keep them safe. Yeah. And so we use this metaphor because we don't want to wait until that last minute. Mm -hmm. You know, we spend tons of time and energy and resources on getting in, them into the college of their choice or giving them the opportunities to get into the college of their choice. And, and parents often forget that they also, just as importantly, need to know how to manage life, the basics of life, and the challenges that they will absolutely face regardless, that we cannot protect them from. So it is our job as parents to begin that process. Do you have like a, a little bit of recommendation specifically on that part, like something like families can start doing right now on the letting go part? I'm assuming you have seen this a few times. Well, you know, one thing in particular, as always, is communication. So I think, you know, once we've started this process, whether it's the beginning of their senior year in high school or it's a little bit further down the road, um, you know, keeping an open line of communication with your kid and encouraging them to talk and share their thoughts and feelings is really critical. And of course, as parents, we think, oh, yeah, we do that. But how do <laughs> everybody we? Everybody that. does that. But how do we do that? Yeah. Do we say, why are you doing this? Why? Are you going out with that person? Why are you going to do that if you need to get up at this hour? So it's a lot of how we're communicating with our emerging adult, young adult children and how that can actually form a, a more positive connection to help this process along. So for instance, you know, listening to their responses and making sure you do so with curiosity rather than judgment. It's like the second question, not just as the first, like, like build up on the answer. 
Yes. Go ahead, Pam. Tell oh, me sorry. more. No, <laughs> tell me more. Tell yeah. me more. Exactly. Right. Tell yeah. me more. Exactly. Because we want to hear. We have not talked about this before, I promise. Right. <laughs> and the whole idea of, of shifting from being the life preserver to being a swim instructor, right? Yeah. Just that, that shift in mindset as a parent, sometime ideally in yeah. high school, sophomore, junior, certainly by senior year, that it's a collaborative process, that we're right. no longer going to be in the driver's seat. We're not in the pool with them anymore. Mm-hmm. We're kind of on the outside looking in and we want to teach them mm-hmm. the tools that they need to be able to manage and the ongoing reinforcement that we trust them to make good decisions. Yeah. We want them to know that we value their, their thoughts and their input. and that we do trust them. We want them to know that. And people are probably listening, thinking, but uh, I don't know if I do trust my kid. I mean, I don't know if you've met him or her. So, you know, it's important to, to point out and to reiterate that, you know, trusting your kid is very much a process, but it is important to allow your kid that feeling of safety that you do trust them. You'd maybe like more information or you'd maybe like to listen more. Interesting idea. I hear you. I'm listening. But it is important to start that process of practicing trusting your child, even if you're not sure what choices they're going to make, because they're watching us and they're watching um, and they're listening to us. And it's important to them to, um, for their own agency, that they know that we are supporting them and that we are allowing them to emerge. Yeah. And to make mistakes. Uh, and to make mistakes. Frankly. Absolutely. We want them to make right. mistakes. Trust is not foolproof. Yes. It just means <laughs> that, you know, you you are confident in who they are as a human being. That's yeah. what we need to offer them. Yeah, I think, the, um, it, I guess the way I, I try to think about this particular topic on, on like having trust, but also allowing people to make mistakes is that make sure that you rebuild trust fast. Like it's not because you missed one step then you can never trust for the rest of their life on that thing. Like it's, okay. it has to be part of like, I trust you, that was wrong, that was right. What did you learn from this? What did you learn learn from that? And we want them to have the more experiences they can have during high school where they're making mistakes and learning from them. It's not that they're not going to make them. There's an infinite number of mistakes they're going to make and can make. Ideally, we want them to make new ones in the future and learn from the ones that they make. And that's... Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. And and that's where the connections and disconnections often come in between adolescents and their parents. So if they're acutely aware of us judging them at any moment, even when we're not, ironically, they can read every bit of our energy. So the more we can just be that solid wall that they come back to when they need to kind of hold on for a moment, when when they just need something solid to hold on to, and then push off of when they can go back out and swim Mm -hmm. in the deep end on their own. Yeah. But they know that we're there. And when they make a mistake, we are not going to judge them. We're going to be that parent and say, what did you learn? Okay, no big deal. Let's figure this out. What's the next right thing? Um, I guess this moves us right into what it's called. Well, what you guys call the gray zone. And I'll try to be a little faster, obviously conscious about time. And this is, I guess, that period of time that honestly, just there's no right answer for anything on this particular one. But everybody goes through a really hard time judging right from wrong, including parents. And nobody knows the new friendships being built in college or outside your home. And you start judging pretty fast as a parent. I'm not a parent, but this is what I see around me uh, based on your own experiences, realizing that it's 20 years later, college is different now. And 
and I think it's crucial. This is the part where where like the young adult is basically built. Uh, the gray zone is a tough one, yeah. I think, for parents and kids alike. And the gray zone, as Pam and I see it, is really that second stage of transition when you've completed drop-off and you're in those critical first six weeks of school, which we know from data is a very critical time in terms of how they are experiencing and succeeding that first year of school. And it's gray because we're no longer right there. So we don't know everything that's happening day in and day out. And they may have a cool exterior, like you mentioned earlier, or they may be melting down and we may be getting lots of phone calls every day. But the zone is gray. It's murky. So how do we manage that period? It's quite different than that letting go stage that's happening at home. What would you say about that, Pam? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that there's a lot of feeling generally of disequilibrium. Mm-hmm. Well, they're mm-hmm. trying to sort out who yes. their people are, get used to the new roommate, mm-hmm. get used to their schedule, trying to balance a, an increased workload with lots of free time. Um, the expectations are very different. And there is no solid sense of, okay, I have a safety net here because they're not at home anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's where they need to know that we are their safety net. And for us to try to kind of titrate the amount of connection, how much we talk with them and don't talk and letting them lead the way at that point, how often that we're going to connect. We usually recommend to parents that they have that conversation before that the student leaves to go to college. So there, there was a, a key part on your write up today that, that I think is the open question part. Okay. It's not about calling and saying, are you doing okay? Yes. Oh, did you go to school? Yes. Well, like this is the part to really have um, your listening mood on and and have them talk. And notice what they're not saying as much as they are because, and, and sometimes this, this has a lot to do with you knowing your, your student, your kid, because some students are more communicative than others. And you can just tell in their tone or how, or the fact Mm -hmm. that they're not communicating or they're communicating more. So those are the kinds of things that hopefully we know our team well enough to know that there might be something going on under the surface that they're not communicating directly. And if we have that gut sense as a parent to just ask, to say, look, I'm, I'm concerned. You know, I haven't heard from you in a while. I'm not sure how to understand that. I, I'm your parent and I am concerned about that. Let's talk. Tell me what's going on. Like, how's this going? Well, you know, what's going on without asking too many questions, Yeah. more open-ended questions Yeah. and yeah, curiosity versus judgment. Curious. Be curious. Yeah. 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 That's, a, that's like, I don't want to jump into the paradigm shift tool, but we will. Uh, but that is kind of like shifting your, the way of framing this. Be right. curious. Don't be judgmental. Uh, the last stage that you talked about this transition is obviously the new beginnings. And I'm assuming this is a little more on the independent side when the right. adult now is literally just making decisions on its own and it's trusted. Or well, that's a big go. range. I big mean, range. Some, of the, some of the, there are some parents who would say that their teen sort of was off and running pretty quickly after they got to college, figured out who their people were, who their mm-hmm. clubs were, they joined a sorority or fraternity or whatever. And really adjusted relatively quickly. And there are other teens who it could take months to years till they actually feel like this is their new normal. Mm -hmm. This is where they belong. This is their new home. And they figure it out. So there's a really big range there of what that new normal looks and feels like. Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, I I was in the guy side, but... I had the advantage of jumping as as an athlete. So I was a college athlete. So it was like easy. It's like 
the outfits right. are something like that really tethers you and yeah. brings you into the community in a way that's great yeah that I'm, can make a tremendous difference tremendous in terms of your initial adjustment exactly right. you belong into some group and everybody was on the same page and it was like pretty structured I would say well you had your people you yeah. had a structured plan yeah, yeah. it's completely different experience yeah and, 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 and anybody, anybody listening I think joining a group at the beginning, at least, from people that are like you, might be a good idea. Doesn't mean you have to stay there for four years, but but it definitely adds a little bit of belonging. And, That's and absolutely some, right. Yeah, the support group, I would say. So, in the last two minutes that that at least we have, at least with you, Vanessa, here, uh, do you mind talking a little bit of what what you guys call the paradigm shift tool? Uh, I was really curious to see it on the board down there, and then Andrew mentioned it today as well, and I, I'm just curious about it. So the paradigm shift tool is is sort of 25 years in the making, and it's yeah. based on all of our professionals. Like any good like, tool. Like right? any good tool. And yeah. we tried to simplify it. It's really based on cognitive behavioral therapy, which was okay. when I was a therapist before I became a certified life coach, I did a lot yeah. of cognitive behavioral therapy and infused that into the work mm-hmm. that I did. So the paradigm shift tool is a model for how to think about life and how the understanding, the basic philosophy is that it's our thoughts that create our reality, not what happens to us. That what happens to us is often out of our control, but we always have a control. We always have the control in how we choose to think about this and Mm -hmm. often don't realize that. So it's super simple. We share it with every girl that we work with and they've all told us that it's kind of life changing. They have it on their phone. It, it, in any situation, no matter what it is, they use this as a way to get in touch with what they're feeling, Mm -hmm. how to understand their thoughts that are usually automatic about any particular situation, which we explain to them are just facts Situations yeah. are just facts that happen. It's how we make meaning of them, the stories we tell ourselves about yeah. them that create our feelings and then lead to our behaviors. Yeah. And the behaviors often just reinforce those automatic thoughts. Mm. So what we do with the tool is ask them to think about how they're feeling initially about whatever the situation that they're finding challenging is. Yeah. And then we ask them, what are their automatic thoughts? And that doesn't take long for them to figure out. But the next step is the critical piece. And that is where we ask them to think about how they would like to feel about the situation. And in some of these situations, that can be pretty horrific. It might be, quite frankly, they would like to just feel neutral. Or the girls will say to us, we just want to feel whatever about it. And then, <laughs> Because amazing is unrealistic. If the situation I, is such... It, that would be an unrealistic expectation to feel amazing. Yeah. Like I'm homesick or I'm missing right. my family in yeah. the transition or I'm being bullied at school or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, I haven't found my people. or. Um, and then the next piece is the critical piece that changes everything, which is what do you need to think in order to feel that? And that sometimes takes time for them to come up with. And that's the work that we do with them in coaching. But we have found that this tool is effective for girls as young as fourth grade and and any of the girls we work with at any stage up to emerging adults. Vanessa, I feel like you want to add something. <laughs> yeah. no. Well, it, it's just that it is so powerful. I think Pam and I could really talk about it forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that is the critical piece is once you've decided how you would prefer to feel in the situation, what kind of thoughts do you need to think in order to feel that way? Yeah. It sounds simple and complicated almost at the same time, but once it clicks for you, it's 
absolutely life-changing. And we have a, a sheet and we have the girls take a photograph of it so they have it with them so they can remember exactly how it works. And I think after a while, they, they don't even need it. It becomes somewhat second nature. Yeah. It's yeah, just I, what they do. No, they I definitely... Think about life that way. And yeah. it's what we do. Yeah, we live our lives that way. Yeah, it's amazing that, uh, especially in the niche uh, kind of like area that you work in, um, you have found this solution. It's, uh, this is seen in other parts. Uh, sometimes it's called frameworking in your brain, and sometimes it's like channeling your uh, stress. Um, and it works all the time. It's just different ways of approaching it. But right. it's just extremely being aware of how you used to react to situations and know that that's actually literally a reaction. And then you just realize that that's a reaction and then it just changes because you're realizing it's a reaction but understanding uh, that that reaction begins yeah. with a thought that oh, is often not yeah. conscious yeah. Right. And, um, yeah. and making it simple yeah. enough to use visually and, and in all ways so that anybody can use it even you know a fourth grader so I want to close the podcast so you both can finally leave the office. I know you guys are so busy and we appreciate your time but the one thing I just want to ask you before we close is People are listening to this today, and I always ask this question, what can families or parents start doing tomorrow to approach this transition better, the college transition in their teenage girls? So that to me is an easy one. Look inward first. Okay. Recognize what you're bringing in an unconscious way to this transition and try to understand your own thoughts and feelings that ultimately impact your behavior. Okay. Absolutely. I would agree with that, that it's a process where you really are going to have to ask yourself, what am I bringing into this process with my child mm -hmm. and why? And, and really mm -hmm. investigate, be curious about your own thoughts and feelings as well as your child's. Awesome. And then have compassion for yourself. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Pam. Have a lot yeah. of compassion for yourself. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know uh, I, we stretched a little bit today, but we really appreciate it. And uh, we'll d definitely provide the contact information for Pamela and Vanessa in the footnotes of this podcast. And uh, if you want to contact them directly, feel free to do so. Uh, thank you for your time today. And uh, this was the Empower Women series of October. And until next time, my name is Jordi. And have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Thank this you. was a great opportunity. Thank you.